Chapter 25 of Secret History Revealed by Lady Peggy O'Malley. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. Secret History Revealed by Lady Peggy O'Malley by Charles Norris Williamson and Alice Muriel Williamson. Chapter Twenty Five. My heart stood still, thinking calmly. It seemed that Diana had no power to harm Eagle March. I had the coat which betrayed Sidney. Eagle had the written message, and his friend in America had the notebook out of which it had been torn. The chain of our evidence was complete. It could not be broken. Eagle had long ago seen through Diana and ceased to worship her. Surely she could do nothing with him now, no matter how shamefully she might humble herself. But I could not think calmly. As I heard her sweet, imploring voice begging to come in, as I realized that Eagle could not shut her out, a heavy presentiment of failure weighed upon me. I braced myself to be ready for anything that might happen, ready to spring from behind the screen and confront Diana if need came. If you ever cared for me, if you ever have any pity for an unhappy woman, let me in, let me speak to you, were the words I heard her say in a voice like the wail of harp-strings. If pathos had been irresistible to any man, even if he had never loved her, Eagle March let Diana come in, though I heard him protesting that his friend Jim White may arrive at any moment. What does it matter? she cried. And with the words she was at the study door. Through the leaves of the tall screen I saw her trail in, a figure of beauty, in her white satin dress and somber purple cloak, her dark hair wreathed with a fillet of emerald laurel leaves that gave her face the look of some tragic muse of long ago. I know Jim White, she hurried on, and he knows me well enough to be sure I'm here for nothing wrong. I'm not afraid of him. It's you I'm afraid of, Eagle. She stopped and faced him. Unknowingly, she faced me, too. Eagle's back was turned toward me but I could see Diana's blue eyes gazing up at him. They were sad and beautiful beyond words. With a shiver of fear, I realized that no woman on earth could be lovelier than my sister. All womanhood, with its appeal to man, was in her great imploring eyes. I was glad that Eagle did not answer. I hoped his silence might mean that her beauty had lost its magic for him, that he understood fully how she had come to beguile him and that he meant to give her no opening. This is the first time I've seen you since, since that night at Elverado when you bade me goodbye, she went on, letting her voice break into a half-stifled sob. You saw me at the embassy, he answered, so coldly that in her place I should have been chilled with discouragement. I dared not look at you there, she confessed. I was afraid of myself. Oh, Eagle... I am even more afraid of you now, more afraid than of myself. Really, 
I am not so formidable, Lady Diana, said Eagle, with cool scorn that showed in tone and manner. But if I may ask, since you stand in such dread of me, why do you come to beard the lion in his den? Because the lion is brave and kingly, I have ventured. I had to come, Eagle. There was no other way. I found out your address from your Russian friend, Major Skobolev. He happened to mention it, asking me if I knew Jim White, who lent the place to you. I didn't guess then how thankful I'd soon be to know where you lived. Oh, Eagle, don't look at me so cruelly. I can't bear it. You hate me, but you mustn't judge. If you knew everything, you'd see that you'd done me a wrong. I should be sorry to think that, said Eagle, as formally as if he spoke to a stranger. And you are mistaken if you really suppose I hate you. I have gone through a good deal lately, Lady Diana, and learned to see personal things in the right proportion. Let me assure you, my feelings toward you are not in the least malevolent. You mean you don't care for me any more? I ought to be glad for your sake and mine, too. But I did love you, Eagle. I truly did. Only I was a coward. I was deceived as other people were deceived. And I had father to think of as well as myself. Don't excuse yourself to me, I beg. All that is past and done with. You didn't have to come here, I'm sure, to... Ah, uh, if the past could be done with... It can't, and that is why I have come. I know Peggy has been with you. It's useless to tell me she has not. I've no intention of telling you a lie, Lady Diana. Di broke down and cried without any effort to restrain herself. She did not look quite her beautiful self when she cried, but she looked a hundred times more pathetic. You won't believe me, I suppose, she sobbed. But till tonight, I never knew, knew that Sidney had deceived me. I believed what he told me to believe. It is an awful blow. I think my heart is broken. But, oh God, Eagle, if you ruin him before the world, it will be my death. To my astonishment, Eagle answered with a laugh a laugh of exceeding bitterness. You seem to believe and disbelieve easily, Lady Diana Van Dyke, he said. Once you believed in me, then you ceased to believe in me and threw me over because another man, a richer man than I, told you and everybody else that I was a liar. You believed in him instead on his mere word. You married him. May I ask if he has confessed to you, or do you take his guilt for granted, as you took mine on circumstantial evidence? No, he has not confessed anything, Di answered. Yet there was something in her tone and confused, anxious manner that made me sure she was not telling the truth. The conviction swept over me that something had happened at the house in Park Lane, since I slammed the front door and ran out. Diana might have thought twice before coming to grovel here to Eagle, unless she had been sure that I was not jumping to conclusions, sure that there could be no possible mistake about what I found in Sidney's coat. Suddenly, 
I knew as well as if she had put the story into words that Sidney had come home before she made up her mind what to do, that she had told him about the coat, and that I had carried it off to Eagle March, that Sidney, knowing well what my discovery might have been, had broken down and sent Diana to Eagle, in the one last hope that her pleading might save him from his enemy's revenge. I haven't seen Sidney, she hurried on, but instinct tells me some things. I'm afraid I know that his loving me so much made him cruel to you. Oh, don't look at me like that. You turn me to ice. It's true. Cruel isn't a hard enough word for what he did. I don't try to excuse him, but he sinned for my sake. That softens my heart toward him. I'm human. I'm not inhuman, I trust, said Eagle but it doesn't soften my heart toward him. I don't ask that, Diana wept. All I ask is your forgiveness for me, that you soften your heart for me. I forgive you freely, Lady Diana, Eagle answered, for any injury you may have done me in the past, for I have lived it down. The injury Van Dyke did me, I thought till tonight I could never live down. But thanks to the most loyal friend a man ever had, I've been given my chance. Diana flung her head, and there were no tears in her eyes. Peggy, a loyal friend, she cried. She's a traitor to father and me when she betrays Sidney. What right has she to be loyal to you at our expense? And it isn't loyalty. Not what you mean by loyalty. She has always hated Sidney for your sake. And now she can calmly see him ruined? Not because of any wish for justice, but simply because she's desperately, idiotically in love with you. Because she'd do anything, no matter how cruel to others, in the hope of winning you for herself. Now you know the real truth about Peggy. I wish I could think it were the real truth said Eagle, very quietly and very slowly. To have Peggy's love would be the best thing in the world. I've realized that for some time now. While I was under arrest before my court-martial and had plenty of time to think. That was the time it was borne in on me, Lady Diana, just how much difference there is between you and Peggy. Diana stood speechless, staring at him. I was afraid the two out there might hear my heartbeats. They sounded so loudly in my ears. I realized how foolish I'd been not to see that difference before, Eagle went on, still speaking with a deliberate distinctness, as if he were willing I should catch every word. That he should be saying such things to Diana was so wonderful, so almost incredible, that I asked myself if he were saying them only to save my pride because Di had snatched my love for him out of hiding and trailed it in the dust at his feet. I ought to have loved Peggy almost as much as I love her now, the very day we met first. I ought to have felt that she was the one woman, the one thing in the world for me. But she looked such a child. It would have seemed like sacrilege to love her as a man loves a woman, 
that little sprite of a creature. And then I met you. You dazzled me, Lady Diana. That's the word for it. I think no other would fit. But I didn't know I was only dazzled till you took the light away. As soon as the bright spots faded from before my eyes, as bright spots do at last, when you've been staring at the sun, I saw things as they really were. I saw what my feeling for you was worth, and what my feeling for Peggy might grow to be. But I tried not to let it grow. I'd suffered enough. I was down and out. And if I wasn't worthy of you, still less was I worthy of Peggy. Besides, I thought she was engaged to Dalziel, and I wanted to be glad for her. He's a good fellow. Then we were thrown together in Belgium, she and I. And if I hadn't loved her before, I should have begun to love her then, as a man loves just one girl in his life. Whatever I have done since, the few small things I have been able to do have all been with the thought of her in my heart as a lodestar. So now you will understand, Lady Diana, how little impression you can make upon me by calling your sister a traitor. You say all this to hurt me, Diana cried out. But you did care for me once, Eagle. Do not forget that. I forget nothing, he said, but the time you speak of seems a long time ago. I care so much more for Peggy now. Just how much I care for her, I'm going to prove to you in a moment. For a second he paused, while Di waited, not knowing what to say, and it seemed as if I were waiting too. My heart and breath stopped for his next words. If I had ever loved you as dearly as I once thought I did, he went on, sadness in his voice, I suppose I could have refused you nothing when you came to me tonight. But I don't defend myself. I only confess to the hardness in me. You haven't moved me at all. You are cruel as the grave to me. I could be cruel in return to you. That is, I could act as I thought right and be indifferent to the effect on you. Your husband did his best to ruin me. Virtually, he did ruin me. Even tonight, he has lied again, the same old lie, to pull me down, if he could, from the miserable little height I've crawled up to, like a singed moth creeping out of the flame. Did you ever believe in his truth and my guilt? Believe in the depths of your soul? If you have a soul, I doubt it. Anyhow, you helped his lies tonight, as often before. Of that I have no doubt at all. I've no mercy for you in my heart, and none for Van Dyke. I had none even when I stopped the horses on your wedding day. I didn't do that from any softening of heart toward either of you. It was purely mechanical. I'd have done the same for a pair of thieves, I assure you. Nothing you could say to me for yourself, Lady Diana, would make me give up my revenge or rather my justification, which by his own fault can't come to me without Van Dyke's ruin. But something you have said about Peggy has made all the difference. About Peggy? What do you mean? 
Di faltered. You said she was a traitor to her people for my sake. Now, because I love her, I can't let her be that. I won't profit by her loyalty to me at your expense. And I won't have the world say in speaking of her, there's Lady Peggy O'Malley, who bore witness against her brother-in-law and ruined him. For myself, I believe it wouldn't give me a qualm if Van Dyke blew out his brains tomorrow. But you have made me realize that I couldn't bear it for her sake. Thank you for that, Lady Diana. Here is the paper which Peggy found inside the lining of your husband's coat and brought to me. Because of Peggy and my love for her, take it and do with it as you choose. Diana gave a little joyous shriek, but my cry of despair mingled with it. I pushed back the screen so that it tottered and fell with a crash as I flew out in time to seize Eagle's hand with the paper in it. No, I gasped. Don't let me have lived for nothing, Eagle. I would gladly have given my life to get this bit of paper for you. I shall die of grief if I'm not to help you after all. Holding the written message firmly in one hand, he laid the other over mine. You heard all I said, he asked. I am glad. I meant you to hear it in your sister's presence. Yet, though you heard, you speak of not helping me, Peggy? What she said isn't true, then? It isn't true that you love me? It is true, and you know it only too well, I answered, hardly remembering that Diana listened, hanging anxiously on every word as on a verdict for life or death. I worship you, Eagle, and that's why I don't care to live if you are not saved. The great chance has come when we least expected it, and if you don't take it now, it's in your hand. It seems to me that my way of taking the great chance is, after all, the only way if we are to be happy. Peggy, I find that I love you too much to take any other way. Can you love me as I am, love me enough to say, do what is right for you? It is right for you to have justice, I pleaded with him. I would rather have love. You can have both. No, it doesn't seem so to me. Oh, you are obstinate, obstinate. Perhaps I'm afraid I always was. But I love you. I've suffered. And now I want to be happy and at peace. It isn't only for your sake, it's for mine as well. Great love is worthy of the only great revenge. Shall I burn the paper? For God's sake, say yes, Peggy. I heard Diana sob, but I hardly listened. If she said more, I did not hear it. I was looking at Eagle. Does silence give consent, he asked. There was a new light in his eyes, brighter and clearer than the careless light of youth that was lost. I could not quench it, so I bowed my head and let the khaki coat, which half unconsciously I had been holding all the time, drop to the floor. The glory of Eagle's smile repaid me. He took my hand in his, and leading me, walked to the fireplace. There he stooped, and without hesitation dropped the paper 
which might have changed his whole life into the flames. Goodbye to the past, he cried. Hail to the future. Peggy, such as it is, such as it can be for me now, will you share it? You know, I whispered. He pressed my hand tightly, then turned to Diana. You had better go home to your husband, he said. You can sleep in peace tonight and all nights. Presently I shall take Peggy to Hampstead, but I want her to myself for a moment first. Without a word to either one of us, Diana obeyed, her head bent low. I suppose she could find nothing to say since thank you would be commonplace, and die is never commonplace. I heard Eagle open the door for her and shut it behind the trailing white satin and purple brocade. Then he came back to me and held out his arms. I had been in the sky with him before, but this was heaven. He is at the front now, and has been for a long time, but whatever may happen, neither life nor death can part our souls. The sacrifice he made was for my sake, and for the sake of love. So you see why, changing only our names, I have written this bit of secret history and told the truth about Eagle March and Monsieur Mars. The End End of Chapter 25 Recording by John Brandon End of Secret History Revealed by Lady Peggy O'Malley By Charles Norris Williamson and Alice Muriel Williamson